Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Today's episode is brought to us by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Help? I need somebody help. Always somebody. Uh, is, is there, <laughs> I just had, I had way too much fun with that. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, I know it's always been comparing myself to others or uh, being afraid to ask for my needs to get my needs met because I feel like then you would abandon me or it was just like feeling like I'm not enough. The service BetterHelp is available for clients worldwide. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Hear it from a a review written by BetterHelp user CH after counseling with Dr. Carmen Velazquez for two weeks on issues concerning depression intimacy-related issues, self-esteem, and ADHD. Quote, Dr. Velasquez is great. She checks in frequently over chat, had good availability on the app, and has a lot of tactical methods to try, which I appreciate. End quote. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's even more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available for those that need financial support. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. That's right. BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. Always wanted that little slash before my name. Now I have a slash. Uh, That's H-E-L-P. And you can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I also have a special offer for all BYKY listeners. You get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. I just love saying the forward slash Leo. Again, it's BetterHelp forward slash L-E-O. What's up, Leo? How are you? Uh, fan, I, I'm a little, I'm a little bloated right now. I ate way too many Kyoho grapes. <laughs> That'll do it to you. Yeah, it, no, nobody talks about the the extra five, ten pounds of water weight that you put on when you eat grapes. You know. Yeah, no, I remember back when I was living in New York and I was super broke. The neighbors had this grapevine that like reached over under our fence, and I would just take them and eat them like obsessively. But then I would be so sick afterwards. It was like the only food I'm eating, and it was just like not the right move to eat like two pounds of grapes. <laughs> no, no, oh, oh my god! I missed a show once because I ate two pounds of grapes, and I had yeah. the worst bout of diarrhea yeah. for an hour, and I I felt so bad. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> oh man, not not the wise move. I've I've grown and learned since then, thankfully. Yeah, I mean, you used to live in New York. Now you're in California. 
Yeah, I'm in LA now as of the past two years. Um, I was a bit bi-coastal for a while, but I spent most of my formative adult and career years in New York. Performative uh, DJing and TV hosting, or are there some other things in there also? Yeah, I mean, I, I started off in graphic design because that's what I went to school for, and I quickly realized I did not want to be in an office. Um, and so I moved out of, I was doing uh, design for magazines. Um, and so I moved into radio. Uh, so I actually got my start being a radio host and DJing on the radio and then moved that into TV. Oh my God. I, that's one of my dreams is to like host a show on the radio. I mean, I I love podcasting, but I would love to do both. Yeah. Um, I feel like that as I've gotten along in my career and I've done TV for so many years now, something is keep telling me I want to get back into radio in some capacity um maybe not now but in the in the interim future for sure yeah what is it about radio that that you're so drawn to i mean i think it's a similar thing with with podcasting as well where it's like you're able to tell a story and guide a narrative without having that visual perspective i mean it's so easy in tv to gauge emotions and kind of like people's facial expressions but being in radio i always love you know interviewing guests and talking to someone and carrying a conversation without having that that visual component i mean now radio when, with like The Breakfast Club and Howard Stern and all that, like obviously there's video that comes along with that. But at the time when I was coming up, that wasn't even something that was considerable. So true. So, so what's this uh, seven locations, seven stories vital to your mental health? What, what's, uh, what was the, um, uh, the genesis of that? Yeah, so uh, the series that I'm currently in production of, I just wrapped filming on Sunday and I'm editing the first episode as we speak. Um, it's called Sorry to Keep You Waiting. And it really came out of the genesis of a very shitty, dark day that I had about a month and a half ago. Um, And I wasn't sure what I was doing with my career. The industry obviously is faltering to the point of being non-existent. Um, Work wasn't coming in as it was at the beginning of of lockdown because there were still jobs to to finish out. Um, And so I really just had a really dark and down day, got in the car, started driving. And I was like, what am I doing with my life with like no destination in sight? And the more I drove and cried and sang along to the radio terribly and called friends, I was like, I think maybe if I did something like this, it would be a bit therapeutic. But then maybe being the advantageous workhorse that I am, I was like, I'll also turn this into a show that I shoot, edit, produce, film, scout, do myself um, with the help of nobody. Um, so yeah, so I went and I plotted out seven locations in California, each one uh, with a specific story that's been vital to my mental health and wellness journey. And I went to these vast locations that I had never been to before and kind of got lost in the desert, lost in Death Valley and left each story there to the point of leaving the the heavy feelings that I had that were weighing me down. Um, not so much to forget what's happened, but just to a lot of forgiveness for myself and for others and to move ahead with a lot of love, light, positivity, and hope. You know, where's the car commercial for all the crying that people do in cars? <laughs> like all they show are like people happy with their heads out the windows and their arms, Dude. you know, and their, and their foot up on the, on the front dashboard and, and singing after, a song. After but, this trip, my Camry is a lot saltier. There's a lot of tears left in that in the dashboard there. <laughs> There's so much crying and eating that takes place in a car. <laughs> uh, I, I need to get this car detailed so bad. There's like French fries and Dorito crumbs everywhere in this bad boy. It's just, it's obnoxious. What now, you know, the, this breakdown that you had, was it the anxiety over what are the next steps or 
Uh, I think it's, was it's it a cycle or something else? Yeah, it was. It's partially next steps, but it's also like a lot of people were quick to say, "Oh, you're doing this series about your mental health and therapy and whatever you're going through because of COVID, because of systemic racism and injustices." And I was like, "No, this is actually something that's been going on for quite a while, and more specifically, the better part of the last two years." I think you know, having the the situations of the world that we're currently all dealing with right now really shown a deeper spotlight onto it for me. But these are things that I've been needing to talk about and be more open about for years. So it's, it's an immediate change that needs to happen, but it's also not necessarily because I'm looking for that thing. That's going to be the fix all cure all. I'm going to get a job that solves all, all of my problems. And the only way that I can continue to move forward with a bit of a lighter and happier heart is to deal with the things in the past. So that doesn't carry over into my future. Well, you know, what I love is that, you know, your response to the anxiety and the uncertainty was to uh, embrace it, acknowledge it, accept it, and then create something from it. You know, it's like, you know, I'm in pain. This is what I'm going through. I'm not sure what the next steps are. Let me, uh, you know, document this journey and and, and turn it into something. And and I think there's something to be said for that um, of of, you know, creating. I mean, when we look at art, that's what art is, right? When we watch those old movies like a Mozart it was like, you know, Mozart just like, you know, laying laying around. He's like sad about life. And then some girl comes in and they start talking and then he gets inspired and he jumps up and he and he, he finds something in his pain that he can create from it. And not to say that we can only create from pain, but we have to be moved in a certain certain way, which I think, you know, being in your car can uh, it facilitates that not to make this a car commercial, but. Um, yeah, but there's something no, about yeah, driving yeah. around that, that sparks creativity. You're absolutely right. And, you know, when I got in the car that day where I was just so down and so beaten up and just kind of despondent, I, I didn't have any end destinations that I was like, let me just get in the car and just get out of the physical space where I was feeling the worst at. So if I got in the car, maybe I could just shake it off. You know, I'm, I'm grateful. I live out here at the beach which is great to have a bit of nature and and water, you know, in such close proximity, because I think that is very revitalizing for my own personal mental health. But as I'm driving around, I'm like, you know what, I have a lot of heavy shit that I've gone through and things that I've persevered through. And I thought I dealt with in my life, but there's still like lingering residual feelings and things that I haven't fully come to terms with. And so I was like, I need to make this something where Uh, I'm able to get up and go somewhere and go somewhere beautiful through the access of having a car. And, you know, travel is limited at the time, but I still have the the capabilities to go find some beauty amongst all of like the brutality that I've been, you know, beating myself up over over the past few years. And so the idea is, you know, yes, there's some some tough stuff that I've been through, but there is a light on the other side of it. So why not go and show gorgeous landscapes in California while I sit and talk about some of the more tragic aspects of my uh, life. A little bit of balance. No, I love that idea of you have to get out that physical space. I just read this book called Triggers and he was saying, you know, one of the, the primary triggers and when we, first of all, when we think of triggers, it's not always to, to be triggered to uh, uh, like a negative emotion, like anxiety, yeah. fear, but we can be triggered to, uh, do something uh, fun or playful or exciting. But he talked about the impact our environment has on us. And if and if you're in a situation right now where you're feeling a certain way, when we change our environment, i.e. hop in your car, go for a walk, yeah. uh, you know, fly somewhere or, or just even go to a friend's, another friend's apartment or another place or, 
uh, a farmer's market, just changing your environment changes how you feel and, and interact with the world. So uh, it's good that you recognize that. It's something so so simple too, is like the environment of what we choose to position ourselves in, whether that's the people you speak with, the actual physical space you're residing in, or even for me, it's like the music I listen to. That is an environment in which I have the capability to change. Because if I put on the songs that I know are going to emotionally ring me out, I will feel that way for days. But I can also put on like some corny ass classic hair metal or, you know, and, and feel really amazing and rage out and scream for a second and kind of get that out. So it's an environment of, of everything that we surround ourselves with. And I think I'm only realizing that a little bit later into to my journey of, you know, working on my, the mental side of things because I'm someone who always, you know, had a bit of pride, like I got this, I can handle it to the point of being so confident. It tripped the line into being cocky. And I, I can fully admit that with, with a open heart now, but, you know, I think it's only because of a matter of a lot of the, the hills and valleys that I've, I've been through and I'm grateful for them because it's given me a lot more clarity now. You know, I, I love that you said that the, the music you listen to can affect you for days. I think we don't, we're not aware of how something we did on Tuesday can affect how we show up to the world on Friday. You know, uh, whether it's a song, a, a movie, something we ate, you know, I just I just found yeah. out that um, that Wednesday is a hump day because what we did over the weekend is just now catching up to us. It takes that many days for something we did a few days ago. It's like a workout. You work out Monday on your yeah. glutes. You're not going to feel that till like Wednesday, Thursday, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the, you know, it's not a sprint. We're we're all in a marathon and if we think of that and it's we're putting in a certain amount of energy to get us through a, not a finish line, but a, a, a destination that is, is continual. You know, sometimes the things we, we experience and we go through are so turnkey and so quick, but I'm, I'm playing the long game now as opposed to like any sort of like immediate gratification, immediate satisfaction, whether that's through work, eating, working out. I'm, my mind is, is now able to operate in a, in a playing field that sets me up for success and wellness down the line as well. And I think that's an important thing for me personally to always remember. I appreciate that. Earlier you mentioned that, you know, you had undergone some some heavy shit uh, yeah. when you were younger. <laughs> what was that heavy shit from your childhood that you speak of? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it doesn't even go all the way back to childhood. I think the, the biggest turning point for me is whenever I went to, I went away to college and I was young, naive, 18, hadn't experienced much of the world at all, came from a very, very small uh, farm town outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to the point that like, I make the joke, which is not so much of a joke, that we had cows as neighbors, because that was the reality of my existence. So my, my worldview was very limited. And I had gone um, into my first semester of schooling just very shy, backward, innocent, naive. And uh, a few months into my, my first semester, I survived a pretty brutal uh, sexual assault. And uh, I didn't speak on it for years because I've just the, the reporting procedures in place weren't very evident at the time. I mean, it's been quite a few years since I've been in college. Um, and I feel like there was also this stigma around it where there was a lot of self-blame and guilt and shame and just not knowing how to process it. Um, so I think that was a really big critical moment for me in which, you know, my, my views on the world and individuals shifted quite drastically. Um, I think the, the later effects of that, of 
finally coming to terms with it. And not only with that instance, but with uh, events down the line of finally coming and, and speaking up on it and opening up to family and friends and how people kind of took the information and made it their own and they made it their problem was something that was like a, a, almost like a second brutal attack because it wasn't like I wanted to own this as, as fucked up as that sounds like this was my thing. I came to you and I'm, I'm vulnerable and telling you about something and for you to go and express that upon to the world when I'd asked for a certain bit of privacy and, and understanding and trust and compassion, it was a, it was a bit of a tough uh, thing to, to kind of take on. And so I was mad for years. And I think that's a, a reverberating thing that people didn't really see a lot because on the outside, you know, not only as a TV host and a public facing figure, just in general in like friend groups, I've got amazing energy and I'll, I'll be the first to say it. I've always had that thanks to my parents. I, I don't know where it comes from, but I can be up 20 hours a day and still have a smile on my face and be the life of the party. Um, but deep down, I was mad and I chose to be mad for so many years because it was so easy to to express my anger towards somebody as opposed to love and understanding and forgiveness. And so that was a, a big one that, you know, is something that I've had to tackle and, and deal with over the years. And only through, the, I think, the course of this incessant and insanely uh, quick, brief and uh, trip of, you know, great distances and emotional drainings over the past week, um, I feel like I finally come to terms with that in a really great sense. And that's not without lack of, you know, a lot of therapy and work on myself over the past few years. Uh, I want to go back a little bit. I do want to put a pin in the therapy and, and, you know, you talking to your family and friends and how they responded. Sure. But the fact that you grew up on a farm, yeah. uh, I, to me, it, it resonates because, uh, for one, for selfish reasons, uh, I just started an herb garden. And I'm realizing okay. how hard it is to grow anything uh, anywhere. The amount of, of I should have just had kids because this is these herbs are just <laughs> it's way too <laughs> much. I got to talk to them. I got to play music, yeah. uh, all the things. And and then all these bugs, whatever. Um, but uh, I, what how did growing up on a farm? What did you learn growing up on a farm that you think has prepared you for where you are today? Well, uh, I just want to clarify. So I didn't grow up on the actual farm. It was like the neighbors down the road because it was a very small town. So we did have huge gardens as well, though, too. Mom was has a green thumb like no other. So we did grow a lot of vegetables and plants and fruits and stuff. So we did have that in our nature. Um, but I still think that those values and kind of the area that I grew up in, it gave me this resilience of perseverance and hard work. And I don't know if sometimes that's almost to a fault because Growing up in, in that area, I mean, you're kind of near Pittsburgh, you're near West Virginia, Ohio, it's not really Midwest or South, you're just kind of in this area where people just know how to grow up, work a nine to five, work a, you know, solid job and retire and never change their career path. So I think for me, it gave me the awareness that this is not what I want to do. Um, and it, but it gave me the installation of of a hard work mentality. But I knew that really quickly, you know, I couldn't stay in that area forever. I straight out of college, you know, two weeks later, I moved to New York, never having lived there and had a job straight out of school, just because I knew that that hard work and perseverance was going to get me to the hustle point that I needed to go where I wanted to go. 
Um, and so I think that that's also part of, you know, just my constant drive and passion as well. So those kind of old school farm values were instilled in me as much as <laughs> I knew that I didn't want to grow up and be a farmer or a farmer's wife. <laughs> I, I love that. And I, I was, I, I asked the question because, uh, you know, so many people, we, we all come from different backgrounds and uh, sometimes we're upset over, over where we came from or, or we hate it or ashamed. But uh, I find that the empowering question to ask yourself is what values, what skills, what, what did you learn that you can use, that you can alchemize uh, at, to, in, into your life so that you can move forward and be productive and, and, and optimal and, or even just find peace? You know, how can you reframe your experiences so that you can forgive and find compassion and move forward? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's something that's carried over into to my career as well. You know, I've been fortunate enough to work for many high profile networks and work for places that people would die to be at. Um, and I've always been of the mindset, you know, that just because you work for someone else doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting ahead. You're, you're making enough money to get by, but that doesn't necessarily mean you could be, you know, satisfied from, from a, a professional level or a personal achievement that you need to have. But at the same time, much like growing up in a space where, you know, I would not have chosen to be born where I was, I would have loved to grow up a bit more metropolitan. Um, I don't regret or like have any like remorse towards anything and any experience that I have a job that I stayed in too long that wasn't getting me ahead, but everybody else was a place where I grew up in that I wouldn't have chosen. Like it's still part of my path and it's lessons that I've learned along the way. So I can't look at any of that with any sort of regret. And there is educational value in, you know, the places that we've come from and the things that we've endured. So for me, keeping that sort of positive mindset about it, as much as some days you'd wake up and say, Oh, I hate this town. I hate this job that I'm in there's not really like a genuine despise for those things. Looking back on it, there's no regrets in, in the decisions and choices that I've made. Are you an only child? No, I'm one of four. I am. I'm the second oldest. I've got an older sister and two younger brothers. And I was the first one to like up and leave and get out of like the area and the family. Um, and so not, but six months after I moved to New York, my older sister moved out. Then my younger brother graduated college. He moved to New York three years later. Mom and dad moved from where we were to South Jersey so they could be closer. And then my youngest brother finished college and he moved to New York. And I was like, this totally went the wrong way. I moved to get away from everyone and now you all followed me here. So I've, I've made the joke with them now that I've moved to L.A. over the past couple of years. I was like, it's only a matter of time. I was like, who is it first? Who's coming to move out here now? Because y'all can't seem to stop following me. <laughs> well, that's good. Like, you, you've always been a trendsetter, clearly. Uh, I suppose so. I don't know. I guess, I mean, New York's slightly more attractive than Soutersville, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> Now, but what about in high school? Were, were you like the were you the cool kid? Were you the trendy kid? What you know? I, I would imagine jock, it was a was small school. I was a jock. I was the class clown. I went to. I ended up going to college on an athletic scholarship because I was a badass at lacrosse. So I, I went to school um, for that. So I was, but I was always big in sports. But I was, I was the one who like floated from group to group. I still did the yearly school musicals, but I was also in the choir, and then I was, you know, in the in all the sports teams, but. I was the one who would like act out in class. Like it was a really small school. And I feel like to a, an extent, 
I didn't really fit in and belong there. So I just tried to fit in with everybody. I mean, my school, like I said, we grew up in such a small town. There was like drive your tractor to school week where like kids, instead of driving their car, would drive their tractor and park it in a parking lot. Um, so like that was kind of like the limited view scope of, of the individuals that I was, you know, collaborating and, and coordinating with as friends. But for me, I was like, I don't like country music. I don't really even like certain pop and indie that much. And I would like beg my mom for like rap CDs growing up. And I, I just, I feel like I came out of nowhere as much as I came out of that very specific place because I just knew that, Growing up, I, I questioned things a lot, and I also wanted to expand my my knowledge of things outside the realm of what people knew from where I grew up. Because it was like, you grow up, you go to high school, you probably date and marry your high school sweetheart, have three kids, and you never leave the area. And I knew that that wasn't for me in like the very immediate sense. Yeah, when I meet people like that, there's a part of me that's envious of like how early they. And and not to you settled as a derogatory term, but how how early they just are like, all right, this is what I'm doing, and this is what the rest of my life looks like. Where you know I'm like you, like I'm still getting in the car, driving and crying and and singing and trying to figure stuff out and trying to find you know beauty amongst the brutality. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like, like I said, I've I've always had that kind of spirit in me, even as a young kid, just kind of questioning things. I'm like, just because someone tells you that this is what things are supposed to be, that doesn't necessarily mean I have to subscribe to that mentality. You know, I grew up um, raised Catholic, very conservative, went to a Catholic uh, elementary school. And I remember being like in year two or three. And now I'm a very spiritual person and I do have a certain sense of religion about me, but organized religion for me just doesn't work. So sitting in, in reading certain Bible verses and being told stories and you know, obviously certain parables of like, there's exaggerations to kind of get a point across. But as a young kid, I remember being like, like eight, nine years old. And, and the teacher's telling a story about, you know, loaves and fishes and this miracle of magic that happened. And I raised my hand and I said, this is bullshit. And got in a lot of trouble because I was like, I was questioning it in the sense that like, give me the real, like what's actually happening here? Like, let me learn something that you're not just dictating to me from a book and just regurgitating back to me. Like I was all ready to have like debates and question things and have opinions from a very young and early age. Um, so I'm very grateful, like I said, in the sense of like, because I grew up so almost restricted by community and schooling and whatever it was, that it almost forced me to start questioning things at a very young age. So I'm, I'm like I said, no regrets. I'm very grateful for the experiences that I've had. Now, being opinionated, usually uh, one of the parents are a teacher or they're a debater. What did your parents do? Uh, Mom was a nurse before she got pregnant with my older sister, and then she became um, uh, just a stay-at-home mom. She does work in the schools now with kids with disabilities, but that's only been a later-in-life type of thing that she's gone through. Um, And then Dad has been in media and, and TV as well on the ad side for a number of years. Um, but I I feel like, like I said, I don't know that it really came from either of them. I've always felt a bit different in a really good and healthy way. Like I I just, at at certain times I was like, if my parents one day came to me and said that I was adopted, I would not be mad because I feel like I'm not part of them in that capacity. And I say that with love, caring and understanding and compassion for the things that they've gone through and the decisions that they've made. But I feel like... uh, 
I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like an alien sometimes. Like, I didn't look like, I don't sound like, I don't act like anyone I went to high school with. I don't, you know, have the same mentality. And I have, like, I think it's part of being a creative as well, too, from a very young age. Like, my mind just works a little bit differently. And I'm truly grateful for that because it's gotten me to to points that I'm at now. And it's going to get me to places where I'm not sure where I'm going yet. You know, playing lacrosse, I played high school and uh, college football. And, you know, I had to put on so much weight. I had to put on about 50 pounds just to compete at the college level. Um, and I, yeah. I don't, you know, I, I didn't know a lot of lacrosse players in, in college. But, uh, you know, being a woman, being an athlete, being competitive, uh, were there uh, eating disorders that developed or uh, were you able I to mean, just be the same? I put, on, I put on 50 pounds just because I drank and ate too terribly in college. Um but, but we did have a pretty rigorous regimen of, um, you know, practices, training, wake up early, go to swim practice to get our strength up. Then you go and lift weights. Then you go to your schooling, midday practice, more schooling. I mean, it was it was pretty incessant for a while there. Uh, eating disorder, no. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that I have a, a good grasp on my, my relationship with food and body. Um, but I did, I mean, I just, like, classic, like, freshman 15 was, like, freshman 25 for me like I went off like I said like I grew up in a small town very modest family like we didn't have a lot so to have like an unlimited buffet in the cafeteria for every meal was like a, a kid's dream who, who didn't grow up having that um so I think I went a little hardcore with it the, the first year but then got a handle on it for sure um but the, there's the pressures of, of being an athlete and, and maintain schooling as well too and then also knowing that you know I had gone through a pretty traumatic experience not but two, three months into my, my first semester at college, it was a lot I was dealing with. And because I wasn't talking to anyone about it, you know, it's that underlying, like I said, that, that feeling of being mad, angry, confused. But on the surface level, everyone sees, oh, there's Happy Hannah, the star athlete, you know, straight A student who's crushing it and just killing it at life, but not realizing that there's something killing her on the inside. When you went to therapy, what were some of the things that, um, you know, you got to work on and, 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 and you know, came to, to grips with and, and uh, what, what helped you get through it? I'll be honest with you, Leo. The first few times I went to therapy, I am such a bullshit artist when it came to therapy. Uh, I would not tell the truth. And as much because I just I couldn't admit it to myself, let alone someone else. And it was just basically money wasted and time wasted because I just I, I, I couldn't admit certain things and I would sit there in a session I'd be like yep everything's cool you know my parents and I's relationship is fine I speak to all my friends great whatever like nothing is bothering me um and I wouldn't even go into great detail about anything that I've experienced in my life it would be all very like immediate stuff like oh you know work is really tough this week like things that just you get through and then you're on to the next and it's not like the deep-rooted things that I really needed to focus on and I think really having been able to, to take a step back and like I said, I'm grateful for the challenges that have been placed in front of me and only within the past two years of going to therapy and coming out the other end of a pretty dark depression for two years, um, have I been able to fully open up to, to therapists in a way that, um, you know, the, the guy I'm working with now, we're at a point where because we're on video and, and FaceTime calls because of, of COVID, um, the last call we had, we get on the, the, the session. And he's like, hey, 
And I just immediately started crying. And like that, that for me is the significant like change where I'm like, okay, I used to be so scared to be vulnerable and show someone that I don't have my shit all together because I take great pride in, you know, being accomplished in everything I do. Um, and I want people to see that. But now we're at a point where like, if I'm feeling shitty, I'm going to cry. If I'm going to, if I need to talk about something that I haven't in years, then, then we get to it straight away. Because for me, it's like, what's holding me back at this point? You know, I've been able to work on, you know, not only the the forgiveness of of individuals that I feel have, have wronged me, even knowing when an apology may never come, that's the biggest one. I think for me. Um, and that's part of that anger and madness I was holding on to. So I was like, man, it's so much easier for me to be mad at you because I know you'll never apologize. Or you'll no- I know you'll never admit that you've done what you've done and uh, affected me in a way that's been adverse. So finding that, that forgiveness is the biggest thing that I've worked on. And it's a, a great big lesson that I've learned because holding on to that is just, it's, it's too much weight to carry around. That's for sure. Yeah, it just it eats you up. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, you're missing all these other opportunities to connect with people who will love you and care for you and show you the compassion that you've been looking for. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's, like there's so much good as much as like the world sucks. Like, yeah, we can say that. That's fine. But there's also so much good and so much great to be seen. And I think by virtue of what I've just done here over the past week and being able to go out and experience something that I kind of you know, I had a plan, but I didn't have that much of a plan because I wanted to be able to experience things in a purely visceral and almost childlike, innocent way. Where I was like, I know where I'm going. I know what, what the place I need to sleep at tonight is, but I don't really know exactly where I'm going along the way or what I'll see. I mean, I saw some crazy animals and sunsets and was in Death Valley in 120 degree temperatures trying to shoot. And I was like, let me just surrender to to this experience. And I think I love talking about the word surrender because it's something that not only through therapy, I've done some meditations and spoken with like spiritual healers of of different sense, just trying to find, you know, some healing and peace. But the word surrender keeps coming up over and over again. And initially I thought, you know, for me as someone who hates to fail and doesn't like to be seen as weak, um, surrender to me represented like giving up. But we've taken that word and made it implicitly positive because surrender doesn't mean giving up it means giving into the experience and letting what will be will be and for me it's been such an eye-opening experience to just let things happen and not try to feel like I have to control it or let people see this version of me that is only perfect and on point all the time like I'm allowed to be vulnerable and surrender to that and allow people to see that I love that you distinguish the difference between surrender versus giving up and, and surrendering being giving in to what is. It's it's like an acceptance of, of who you are and, and, yeah. and things as they are versus how you want them to be and how you how you want to show up in the image you want to portray. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's been one of the quickest lessons I've learned when the word it just kept coming up. And I was like, I think I need to pay attention to this because it's something that not only individuals are telling me, but like deep down in my gut, I feel like I just need to like give up some control, almost relinquish a little bit because I'm so tightly wound and and by nature of my like high functioning anxieties that I have, I I just, I continue to work and drive myself into the ground because I'm like, if I just keep going hard, 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 
And again, that's that mentality I grew up with. You work hard until you, you know, break through to the other side. Sometimes you just got to like take the foot off the gas for a second and just let it be what will be. And the car will still go. You know what I mean? Like the car will still move, even if you're not pressing down all the way to the floorboard. Absolutely. I know. But we know we have this idea that we need to go a thousand miles per hour. That's why we all wake up and we start our day with a with a coffee or some type of caffeinated beverage because we want to go, go, go. And versus uh, flow, flow, flow. I don't I don't know if flow, flow, flow works, but um, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, even for me, like I have to fight that urge. You know, this past week I've been fighting the urge to, to drink caffeine in the morning because I'm like, yeah. why do I feel like I need to be revved up to, to start the day? I, you know, I, I want uh, I want the, the, my day to have ingredients in it that excite me. You know, I, I yes. want to be excited about what I'm going to do for the day and, and that adrenaline. It's like, you know, like I didn't need, you know, caffeine in you know, before the uh, first day of school, you know, that, yeah. that night before the, like you couldn't sleep. You had your clothes all laid out. You were excited. <laughs> you were up before the alarm clock. You're ready you're to go. Stoked. Yeah. I feel you on that. Like, I think too, even just this week alone, like, uh, like I said, coming off this road trip, I mean, I put myself through it. It was intense. Seven cities, seven days. And each one was a very like heavy, deep emotional story attached to each driving from place to place. Um, so coming off of it, I'm only two days out of it now. The past two mornings, I've woken up at five in the morning, Leo, just jumped out of bed, ready to start editing, ready to have these conversations about it. Because I think finally now, because I've been able to open up and be vulnerable in this capacity, like I don't need something to force me to get out of bed. I just want to get out and just start doing. I want to, you know, live this truth that I just went through and and share that with others. And I was I've been searching for this for such a long time. And it's something that I've really struggled with of just really defining this passion in a way that just feels authentic. And now, like I said, I've been up since 5 a.m. today. Like, and I'm, I'm still going and I'll go till about midnight tonight, just nonstop because I'm so excited and I'm so invigorated by it. And I do feel that, you know, the ingredients of my life are the things that are nourishing my passions now. And it's not caffeine for once. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, you know, no knock on caffeine. It, it tastes I mean, very I'm good. Gonna, let's be honest. I'm going to have a coffee in like an hour. Let's be clear. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to have a coffee at 430? Oh, yeah. No, what? Yeah, you're going to be up until midnight for I sure. I told you, my man, I'm, I'm up till like midnight. And it, it, for some reason, it doesn't affect me like that. Like when I pass out, like, dude, I am out. Like even if I only sleep three, four hours a night, like it's a solid sleep. So I, I'm good on that front. The the seven cities. Uh, tell us about the first city and and what did you discover uh, about yourself in that in that first city? Um, so the first place I went to was Joshua Tree, and out of the seven places I've went to, that's the only place I've been to before. Now I tried to start this journey off, just kind of easing into it in a way where I was like, okay, let me get my feet reacclimated with not only travel because I haven't gone anywhere in months. Um, but let me go back out into a desert that I've been to before, just so I get in the right mindset of where I'm going, what my body is going to endure over the next seven days. So I went to Joshua Tree and I ended up booking this Airbnb trailer in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it was just hilarious what the accommodations were, um, but visually it made for great footage. So I was like, let me let me do this and let me you know put myself in a situation where I might feel a little unsafe and unsettled, but also just fully commit to the experience. Um, so the thing I learned about myself in, in that space, for the most part, was that 
Uh, nighttime is not so terrifying if you just kind of embrace everything that you're hearing and seeing. Uh, had quite a few uh, critters and snakes come and join my party uh, that evening. So that was a, a really big experience for me. I'm not someone who does well with um, the slithery creatures, but uh, made some friends with them. And uh, we, we made it through on the other side. So, so <laughs> not so mad at that experience. When you say join join the party, like they they was up in the trailer with you, or you opened the door and it was like I mean, some I little was, rattlesnake I was hanging out. Outside. Yeah, I had a, a, a say it in the most polite way possible. A snake came and kissed my toe. Um, yeah, definitely came up, and uh, I knew I know enough about nature and wilderness and having spent enough time in it, what is safe and what is poisonous and what is not. And it was a non poisonous guy. So, um, yeah, he came to hang out. Um, I was sitting outside capturing some night sky footage and, you know, had the shoes off. And I was like, okay, that just happened. In any other capacity, I would have freaked the hell out and jumped up and made a scene. But I was like, what is he going to do to me right here? Like, I'm fully safe. Like, I I know what I'm doing. And just, again, that that moment of surrender and just giving in to what was happening in the moment. You know, I'm glad you said nighttime is not that dangerous because so many people uh, suffer with insomnia or, mm-hmm. you know, they have PTSD where, you know, nighttime is, is not is not has not, you know, historically been a good time uh, for them. And it, it takes a while to unlearn uh, from our past experiences. And sometimes we have to do something extreme like, you know, rent uh <laughs> A trailer in the middle. I don't even know if I would feel safe enough renting a trailer out in the middle of, of Joshua Tree, but uh, hats yeah, off. it was it was an interesting experience. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. In my, I've had pretty exquisite travels, and I'm very grateful for that. Over the course of my career, I mean, if you want to wake up on the banks of Lake Geneva in Switzerland, I can check that box. I mean, I've stayed in some pretty amazing places. So I've become quite a bit bougie in my travels, but for purposes of this experience in this series, I was like, let me just fully commit to the land and the experience. And I can easily book the Ace Hotel in Palm Springs, but I can also just fully be on the land. And like we're talking about environments, surrounding myself with all that's around me and finding the beauty in all of this. Yeah, because it also makes you appreciate both, right? It's like if if I'm always in a, uh, you know, five star bougie hotel, then it, it kind of becomes the same. You know, it's like I don't want steak every night for dinner. I yeah. just mix it up and just get some Taco Bell. All right, maybe not Taco Bell. Dude, the but, amount of gas station meals I ate on this trip, let's be honest. <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest lessons learned is uh, I could probably do that a little bit better uh, if I were to do a journey like this again. I think today's Wednesday. I've been back since Sunday night. I um, I'm only starting to feel normal now. I think. I was I was gonna say it's like being in college all over again, right? Starting to put on. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, I probably ate better in college. Let's be clear. I just was. I was definitely in some areas that were a bit suspect, and just yeah, it was. Uh, the food choices were not um, amenable, but uh, we made it through. I knew. I that I, I knew it would be like it was like a week, so I it, it could it could have been worse. And what was the what was the last city uh, you went to, and what would you learn from that? I the final one I went to, and I, I plotted it out specifically because I was like, let me go find the ultimate beauty and like a bit of peace and relaxation. I went to Big Sur, and so going there, the beach, the water, uh, the landscape there is tremendous. Just 
the drive all along the coast. Cause I came from San Francisco down to Big Sur, which is a bit of a, a trek. Um, so I, uh, I, I purposefully and decidedly, uh, made that the last stop on the journey. And I haven't told anyone this yet. I don't know when this is airing, but I filmed something without anyone knowing at the very end of the trip, because in this moment of great surrender and not only facing, you know, and conquering certain fears and challenges I've had in my life, I also have an incredibly paralyzing fear of heights. Um, I can barely climb a ladder. I hate roller coasters, but I've always attested that maybe one day if I decided to jump out of a plane, I wouldn't have this fear anymore. So impromptu on the drive from Big Sur back home to L.A., I booked a skydive and filmed that as the last kind of leap of faith moment uh, of this series. So I'm happy to, to share that with you and let you know that that was the, the big moment of beauty to, to kind of bring it all to a close. And you're still scared of heights. Stop fucking terrified. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but you know what? I honestly, I don't know if you've ever been, but the feeling is indescribably amazing and it's not really that scary like because you're going so fast in the plane when you launch yourself out and i'm strapped to someone because i did it tandem um you know you're going at the same speed as the plane so it doesn't really feel like you're falling whatsoever so you're in free fall for a good 60 seconds and the toughest part is when the parachute opens and your body goes from 120 miles per hour to 10 miles per hour so the actual falling and jumping out was not terrifying at all. And I, I can't express that enough. It's such a weird like thing to even think about. But that the moment where you're like actually in a bit of safety and the parachute goes up was the most like knee jerking, like stomach turning. I'm going to throw up moment. <laughs> no, but you know, it's a good lesson and a great metaphor for life because, I, I, you know, we, we were talking about going 100 miles per hour and, and go, go, go and caffeine, caffeine. <laughs> And it's yeah. so hard to go, 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 and then go to sleep. Like, and, and a lot of us try to do that. We think we can just, you know, boom, 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 and then lay down and expect to fall asleep immediately. And it's jarring on the body. It's why, you know, yeah. we, we always talk about having a bedtime routine and a sleep routine, things that you, you have to, you know, you have to slowly land the plane. You don't crash it into a side of a mountain. Right, right. It's, well, it's the same thing we were saying about the sprint versus the marathon. You know, you, sometimes that immediate gratification of a hit of caffeine or landing a plane immediately, that's not the thing that's going to serve us well uh, in the long run. So we're, we're playing the long game here. Well, you, you also got very lucky because currently there is a massive wildfire in Big Sur that's destroying like 4,000 acres. So you got in, got out. Uh, I mean, at the beginning of the trip, too, the apple fire uh, over near Palm Desert was was raging the day before I got into Jake, uh, Joshua Tree. So thankfully, I, I, my travels were incredibly safe. I mean, to go on the road with a lot of gear strapped to me as a single solitary person who's not only filming this on their own, scouting locations when they get there, but also just being raw and vulnerable and exposed in a very emotional way. I'm very lucky to have come out of this trip um, feeling incredibly secure, not only in my physical, but in my mental health. Absolutely. Now, is there, is there anything else along your, your mental health journey that uh, you like to share with us that we haven't talked about yet? Um, I think a lot of it, you know, it's, it's going to be seen in, in this series for sure. But I think the biggest thing for me is that 
destigmatizing any idea of taking care of your mental health um, is is so important to me. And I've learned that not only through the course of my journey, but especially over the course of just putting this project together. You know, I, I took this upon my shoulders and I crowdfunded this. And I know it's an incredibly difficult time to be like, oh, give me money because I want to go on the road and have this pleasure trip seemingly. But that's not what the intention was at all. It was, yes, I'm going to fund part of it, but I'm also giving a great big amount back to, to charity. And the amount of people who showed such support, not only with dollars, but with social shares, love, messages of support, and sharing stories as well, too, that they're like, you know, I would never talk about this, but I feel like because you're shining a light on it, um, that, you know, I feel like I have a safe space to to speak on the things that have affected me. I think that's been the most rewarding thing, especially when it comes to, to my own, you know, path and, and betterment to, to wellness and mental health, where it's like, you know, the more I speak on it, the less I feel burdened by the things that I have in the past. But again, the more I speak on it, you know, if it impacts one person and, and they have the capacity to feel an iota of the, the strength and encouragement that I've felt over the, the past few years, then that is an incredibly successful accomplishment for me. And, and you know, when we talk about speaking on it uh, for the listeners, and, and this is just from my own experiences, I found that because uh, I actually am not a big talker. Um, mm-hmm. And so journaling is my way of saying all the things that I want to say and, yeah. and feeling some uh, relief from that. So for the listeners out there, it's about finding your way of expressing yourself, whether that's uh, through, you know, some people, uh, you know, run these ultra marathons and that's their form of expression. Mm-hmm. Some people talk to a therapist, some people go on long road trips or, or they journal or write books, but it's about finding or dance. You know, there's so many ways to express what you're feeling is it doesn't always have to be uh, verbal. It doesn't always have to be with a, a therapist or a coach or, you know, I, even though I would say go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. with yours truly. But the point is, is that there are numerous ways to express yourself and it's about uh, being creative enough to explore those, those different ways. It could be cooking. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things I want to express too, not only, and I keep reiterating it through the series, but, but with you as well too, is that, you know, what works for me doesn't work for everyone. And that I can't, I am not the expert on mental health. I am an expert on my own personal journey into to wellness and betterment. Um, I've tried everything. I've done hot yoga and meditation and guided talks with a spiritual healer in a pink Himalayan salt cave. Like, and this shit didn't work for me. But I know that for me, a certain regimen of therapy, getting into nature and getting into water for me are the things and working out. Um, I'm a diligent, like, six to seven day a week workouter. Um, those things for me are the things that, that help get me in the right frame of mind. And I, it's part of what I wanted to express with, with this docu-series as well, too, is that during the course of the, the seven days, leading up to it, during and even after, I still was going to therapy sessions. Like I would go film an episode, sit in the car and get on the FaceTime and have my, my weekly session with the therapist because I know that I'm not the expert on it and I can only speak from a place of what I've experienced, but knowing that I'm showing and expressing to the world that there are ways in which you can get help and support and that there are resources available is really important to me. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, you're able to transition from, you know, in person to uh, video 
because you know that's that's the world we're in right now where uh yeah. there's not office appointments anymore and and it's beautiful that you're also expressing that you still feel like it's as effective as being there one-on-one because some people have hesitations about that even more so for me because like i said before like i was not being honest when i would go into a therapist's office and for two reasons one it's expensive so i felt like this is such a waste like it's there is this idea that therapy is a luxury item almost because it costs so much. So I was immediately kind of turned off to it when I first started to go years and years ago. Secondly, when I would go into a room, I'm like, this is already a second burden. Like I want to go about my day. I don't want to have to sit in a room. And like my, my take on it was that it was like an inconvenience to my life somehow for some reason. And I started doing video uh, therapy quite a bit before um, lockdown began even, uh, for some reason that helped me be a bit more honest. It took me kind of out of a space where I maybe felt uncomfortable going into a therapist's office. I could be in my pajamas, at home, in bed, in my office, whatever I'm doing, in my car some days. And it felt like it didn't interrupt my life. So for some reason, it even worked in a much more tremendous scale for me using the, the video chat. I love that. And then do you, you, you talked about getting out of nature, being in water, you know, going to therapy, movement, you know, exercise. Mm-hmm. Are there, are there, is there anything else as part of your daily routine of self-care? Uh, well, the working out for me is, is crucial for sure. Um, I can wake up with anxiety and a lot of times for me, it's just a lot of kind of unprocessed energy. It doesn't matter what I've eaten, how little or how much I've slept, I can wake up and feel like I could run three marathons in a row. So I need to go and get that out um, just because it, it, it kind of electrifies my entire body and I can't make any proper decisions until I kind of exhaust myself. And then it gets me kind of back to a level starting playing field. So working out for me in a consistent um, uh, fitness regime is paramount to my, my mental health. That's for certain. Water as well, um, getting into water, being around it, hearing it, listening to it, whether it's rain sounds to sleep to. Uh, you know, I live at the beach here now, so I go out to the sand in the water two, three times a day if I can, if I need to. Um, and even if I don't make it out to the, to the water every day, I know that it's here and I know that it's five minutes walk away. And that to me is something that's super comforting and soothing. So, so I think those two things for me on top of, you know, having therapy and having someone who's an impartial party to kind of feel like I can unload my issues onto are the things that work for me for sure. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. And where will people be able to see this uh, documentary or docu-series? So this is, it's going to premiere on, on my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Hannah Rad, or it's also going to go on my IGTV because we live in an age of social platform and networking. So we're just going to blast it out everywhere so that we can keep raising not only funds, but mental health awareness. And then last question to ask this of all my guests, because I always feel like there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of ending their life. Mm-hmm. 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 Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Mm. Hannah? Be kind. Be kind to yourself and look for the kindness in the world. For me, I had a a decision to make at one point where I thought I wouldn't be here anymore. And someone showed me a kindness and it was a very random, rare chance occurrence 
And I looked at it and I took that with me and I've carried that through with me to today. And it's something I address quite heavily and quite deeply. Episode three, it's a, it's a big one, a big moment of love and kindness. I love that. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not uh, uh, a substitute for you going to get help, for you you know, get, getting, on, getting on Zoom with your therapist or, or going for a nice long drive out into the, into the wilderness and, 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 and crying in your car and, and eating and, and singing all, all those horrible car songs <laughs> that, that we sing um, and, or, or just journaling or just, you know, just reaching out and being proactive. We have to make the first steps in our mental health journey, uh, whether it's going to seven cities or one city or going to our next door neighbor. Change our environment, and that's how we can start changing ourselves. Uh, you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you. Remember, today's episode was brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is not a crisis line and wants you to start living a happier life today. If there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals or feeling connected, go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo now. Enjoy your 10% off and start moving closer to happiness and thriving today.